This is episode number 41 with Joya Das, TV anchor and founder of Lady Drinks. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, and welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. If you are new to the show, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. And if you've been tuning in regularly, I just want to say thank you. I love that you're joining me each and every week, and I really hope that you're gaining a lot of value from the conversations and the actionable tips. So I have a great show for you today. I've brought on a woman named Joya Das. Now, Joya was one of the first South Asian females to be seen on mainstream television in the United States. She's been a business anchor for major networks for the last 15 years, delivering live hourly reports from the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for Bloomberg, CNN, ABC, CBS, and New York One News. So that alone is super interesting. But Joy is currently using her 20 years in television to build programming for her global women's initiative called Lady Drinks, which is a networking platform that cultivates the ultimate South Asian female leader. So she leads the movement by hosting monthly events and bringing like-minded professional women into a room together so that they can find support systems for success. Now, Lady Drinks currently has over 1,800 members and is growing. So we kick off the interview with Joya telling us about her childhood where she faced a lot of adversity, and I'm going to let her tell the story in her words. But we also get into really the skill set and the mindset that you need to achieve your dreams. How do you work through any adversity that you may be facing? How do you get clarity, a vision on what it is that you're actually trying to achieve? How do you support yourself with like-minded souls and find the people who are going to champion you as you move forward in whatever dreams you're trying to pursue? We cover all of that and so much more. I think you're going to find joy to be thoughtful, intelligent, and inspiring. So on that note, let's get into the interview. Hi, Joya. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. It's great to be with you. How are you today? I'm doing so great, and I'm so excited to get into your story more. So I have been researching you. You're an Emmy Award-winning TV anchor, and so I found a lot of information on you. And the more I've dived into your story, the more intrigued and more and the more admiration I have to say I have for you. Um, we're going to be talking about the power of persistence today, your journey, as well as your company that you launched, Lady Drinks. So I love starting out, though, asking my guests to start with their story. And I'd like to start with you in your childhood. I'd like you to take us into your life growing up as a child of immigrant parents and that how that's kind of shaped who you've become today. 
Yeah. Um, so my mother is from Calcutta. My father is from Burma. They're both of Indian descent. And um, they had an arranged marriage. And I tell you that because there wasn't a lot of due diligence that was really done into both of their backgrounds when they got married. Um, and they raised two American children. I'm the oldest. And I grew up in Pennsylvania. And there were two things that I knew from a very, very young age. I was a very precocious child, but there were two things I knew. One is that I was a home of I was I was being raised in the home of a lot of domestic violence. My father used to beat my mother. And so for me, I knew that better had to be outside of that home. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew that as soon as I could leave, I would. And the second piece that I knew was that I wanted to become a TV anchor. It was um, a tradition in my my home every night where my dad would turn on NBC Nightly News and watch Tom Brokaw deliver the news. And it was something that was almost like a ritual, but that really informed what I wanted to be um, when I grew up. Um, so when I left for college at 18, I, much to my surprise, also learned that my parents were not the most financially responsible people, and they hadn't saved for what was otherwise a very expensive school. Mm. So I really sort of kicked and screamed my way uh, through the CFO's office of the school, ultimately ended up striking up a deal so that I could get through school. But ultimately, I paid for college, I paid for grad school, I paid for every move around the country to come to New York and become a TV anchor. And so that was a solitary journey at times. It was a lonely journey at times. But I'm really, really thankful to some really strong men and some really strong women who believed in me and supported me along the way. Wow. It's an incredible story. And I'd actually love to know and understand what it was about watching Tom Brokaw when you were just a little girl, when you were four years old, to have that awareness that that's what you wanted to do and to not just think that, but then to actually become it. I mean, that's powerful. So what was it about watching Tom? I love that he was um, so articulate. I love that he was unflappable, especially when he was covering a war or he was covering a time of crisis. And I loved that he was a furious, interviewer and someone who really led with natural curiosity. You know, it wasn't that he was, it just so happened that he, be, that he was on TV, but it didn't mean that he wasn't a regular person who was generally very curious about his world. And that's something that I think resonated for me even as a little kid, because I used to drive my parents crazy with always like, why? And why this? And why not that? You know? Um, and, and I think my mom really picked up on that proclivity for writing and, and journalism. So it's something I, I have a, a, a very vivid memory of that every morning she would, you know, kind of scour the local newspaper and look for essay contests and writing contests and spelling contests to enter me into so that she could really kind of nurture the inner writer in me. Mm. That's such a beautiful gift, actually, that she was able to give you, because I know you talked about, you have a TED Talk that you did called Rethinking Failure, and in it you talk about how your mom really, that was where you actually saw her use her voice, like maybe the one time. And so I think that it's actually kind of beautiful that it supported your journey, even in spite of watching her not have her own voice within the house. Do you feel that maybe part of the desire to, to share stories and to be an anchor to was also to give voice to yourself and to other women out there in a powerful way? I think that that came much, much later. That came in my 40s when I started helming um, this network today because 
I, again, I'm leading with my natural curiosity. I want mm-hmm. to know about you. I want to know what got you here. And then I want to tell your story as articulately as I can. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I wish that I could say that it was about giving other people a voice, but that was just a byproduct of my curiosity. Mm, that's so interesting. So when you had your TED Talk, you mentioned that prior to that, you had written on the power of persistence. And by doing that, you helped open up and help other women. And your mom asked you, you know, why did you have to share? And you realized, but you helped somebody else. And it it was became a natural evolution, like you're talking about, that as you used your voice and shared your vulnerability, it actually gave permission to other women to do that. Can you talk to us more about that? Sure. So I will say that it was just sheer, like, teeth clenched, nose to the grindstone, a heat-seeking missile. Those are the three adjectives I would use for someone like myself because I was just really hell-bent on getting to what I wanted to do, which was become a TV anchor in New York City covering financial news. And I had that level of specificity. And so, you know, and that really then, of course, became a 20-year career. And maybe at the 10-year mark, people started to interview me. Magazines started to interview me because I was probably one of the first South Asian women that was seen on like a national TV network covering mainstream news. And, um, and of course, the, the conversation always naturally went to my family dynamic. And without any agenda or any real goal, I talked very openly and freely about the family dynamic I grew up in, that my parents were not behind my dream, and that I had to do this on my own. And I just kept telling that story because I guess in a way it was a little bit cathartic for me. What I didn't realize is that when I first started hosting women's events, that anybody had been listening. I had no idea anybody had been listening, but when I started hosting those first events in July of 2012 for Lady Drinks, some 300 South Asian women were showing up to the event and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm in a place of responsibility. So, you know, I, I I did a TED talk on rethinking failure and my takeaway or that I leave the audience with is that I'm not perfect. I believe in telling my story and I believe shouting, you know, shouting it from the rooftops. For me, it was a catharsis. However, what I didn't expect and, and, and I continue to be surprised by is that just by sharing my story, I did change the trajectory of somebody else's life. You never know who is listening. And so if you have the courage and if you have the moxie, please do share because there's so many people that have the same journey and are, are just wanting to be able to share and wanting to be able to break out of their shells. And you, give, you might just give them that little tiny bit of courage to do so. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful and so true. So, Joya, there was a time, though, as persistent as you've been, putting yourself through college and realizing your parents hadn't paid, you just kept pushing forward towards the goals you wanted to achieve. And becoming an anchor was your dream from the time you were four years old. But you hit a transition point, a pivot point, where you could have either given up or kept going. Can you take us into that story? Yeah, sure. I have something that's just I call it faith, call it my gut. Um, it's something that has always led uh, led me. And it's something that I often say to other women that you really need to trust because your gut's never going to lead you astray. Um, the story that you're referring to was my very first job um, that I had in New York. So my first job, my first job in New York City as a business news reporter was at Bloomberg. And my my boss at that time 
had brought me in as basically the producer slash understudy. So I was stationed at the New York Stock Exchange, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. basically. And um, there was a reporter that would be doing reports every half hour, and I was to support her until I myself got a handle on the language that goes with delivering business news and also being really facile with the with the delivery. And so at the end of each day, I would have to get up into the anchor chair and tape a practice report. And again, this is just really demonstrating that I handle on how to deliver business news. I was, I was, I was facile with the, the language and I was also just, um, just commanded a presence. Mm-hmm. And so I had to return in that tape every day to my boss and I had grown to have a great relationship with the tape editor who sat in another location remotely. And uh, his name was JB and he was, a, he had a, a Trinidadian accent cause that's where he was from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as luck would have it, and as things go in corporates, that manager then moved on to London and new management had come in mm-hmm. and new management brought me into their office and they said, you're doing a great job. Here is your raise. Um, thank you very much. And I was like, well, hang on a second. Like, you know, I was brought here because I was on a very specific career path, which is that I was going to be an understudy for seven, eight months. And then I was going to start to be on the air. And he's like, well, I don't know all about that, but, um, you know, here's your, here's your raise. Thank you very much. And I remember going back to my seat and, and remember like at this point I had really kicked and screamed my way through college and paid for that by myself. That was 18, 19. And I paid for graduate school by myself. Then I had wow. moved to New York. I moved to Wyoming. I had moved to New Jersey. I, you know, I'd financed and moved to all these different parts of the country so that I could come to New York and, and do exactly this. And so I was already really tired. You know, it's sad to say I was in my twenties, but I'd already been fighting for what felt like a really long time. And so I got back to my desk, very crestfallen and JB being the good natured person that he is was like, Hey, Joy, aren't you going to tape a report today? And I was like, you know what, JB, I don't think this is happening for me. Like, it's just, it's just not going to happen. And, um, it, you know, it was, that's the moment of inflection, you know, where I could have gone one way or the other. And I remember him being like, come on, Joya, get in that seat and taper report and get in that seat and taper report. And so we got, I, you know, I begrudgingly got into the seat, taped a report, and then we taped another and we taped another. And we, once we had like a string of them, um, he took me to a friend of his in Brooklyn and we edited the tape together. And that tape got me on CNN. Wow. And so when I talk about, you know, installing very strong men and very strong women who believed in me and believed in my dream, even when there were moments in time that I did not, I couldn't, I couldn't speak enough about that because without them, I wouldn't be where I'm standing today. Wow. That's a beautiful story. And I do feel that there are living angels that are around us. You know, you, you're talking about getting strong men and women in your life. And I think that different people do come in our lives at different times and can help propel us. Um, but you had to have the persistence still to show up and keep doing that tape day after day after day. So it was like, it was teamwork too. And it's making, yeah. And I think, you know, Joya, there are going to be women listening who have faced adversity. Maybe it was witnessing domestic violence like you, maybe it's some other kind of adversity, but I would love it if you could share ways that you've tapped into your strength or some tools that you can give the women listening to overcome whatever challenges that they may be having if they have a dream in their heart that they want to realize? 
Sure. You know, I was speaking about the power of assertiveness, especially as it relates to Asian American um, men and women in the workplace, because there's a lot of cultural mores that play into our ability or our ability to not be assertive in the workplace. We're supposed to be deferential. We're supposed to defer to our, our elders. We're supposed to be a collective we. You know, there's a lot of things that we're taught and then and double that for women. So for me, it's always, always, always been important to share what my vision is and share out loud where I'm going. If I had not articulated to JB from day one that I came in there to be a TV anchor, Mm -hmm. would he have been as supportive of my dream? Maybe not. So Mm -hmm. it's very important to say, this is the seat that I currently occupy, but this is the seat I want to occupy. And what gaps and what capabilities do I need to cultivate in order to get there? Um, The second piece is to show up. Um, I had a boxing trainer that I used to work with many years ago. And there were days that I, you know, at 6 a.m., I wasn't feeling that great or I was, you know, suffering from heartbreak because of a relationship. Mm. And she's like, you know what, Joya, I really love about you is no matter what's going on, you show up. You show up and you're here and you're ready to engage. Mm. You're not just kind of, you know, dragging your feet through this workout. So my, my sort of, I guess, piece of counsel from that is that show up. And, and, and keep showing up, even when you don't feel like showing up, because something is changing. Something is shifting. Hmm. That's so helpful. Thank you. And I think you're right. It's so important to show up for yourself and for your dreams. And and like you said, too, surround yourself with those people that are going to help support you along the way. Do you consciously surround yourself with men and women who share your same goals and life and vision? You know, do you just do you cultivate just great people around yourself all the time? Yeah, I'm a big believer in that statement that you are the sum of the five people you spend most of your time with. So I'm uh, ever since I became really cognizant of, I guess I was doing it, I was doing it sort of unconsciously for for a long time. But now I, I'm hyper aware of it, especially as I'm building my own business. I can't afford negativity, and I can't afford people that are going to bring me down. So I'll just immediately remove myself from that situation. And I want to surround myself with people who, yes, get me culturally. I'm very connected to a lot of Indian friends now. I run a network yes. that largely supports South Asian women. Yes. But I'm also very actively choosing women that hear me and understand me. We're on the same page in terms of our ambition. Mm, I think that's important important for all the women listening to whatever their goals or ambitions are to surround themselves with those like-minded souls so that they can help support each other in their dreams. I'd love to actually talk about Lady Drink. So can you talk to us about why you started it? It seems like a natural evolution based on what you were doing, but to leave being an anchor after so many years um, must have been a hard decision. So can you take us into what prompted you and when you knew it was the right time? Sure. In about 2010, my contract had come up with Channel 7, and I was probably at like the seven or 10 year mark in my career. And I was looking back and, you know, news is a down and dirty business. You're just getting it out, getting it out. And with morning news, even more so. And so I looked back and I didn't really feel like I had a body of work that I could look back on and be like, I did this. So I started a production company because I wanted to do longer format pieces. Mm -hmm. I still wanted to engage in storytelling, but I wanted the bandwidth to be able to go back and revise and make things beautiful. So that, you know, let's say when I'm 80, I can look back and be like, I did that. And um, so since I had been an anchor and no one was going to hire me to suddenly become like a documentary producer, I I needed to fundraise and create my own little company and have proof of concept. So I I went to India, I shot a feature length documentary, got that out the door and then proceeded to get, um, you know, documentary projects. 
And, and, you know, as it goes, that's a hustle too. And you need to be able to keep more projects in the pipeline as others tie up. So I brought on a business partner and my business partner had started Lady Drinks in Toronto Mm. as a way for women in film and TV to network and get jobs. It was basically a monthly meetup the first Thursday of each month. And uh, when Greta moved to New York and we went to City Hall to register our company, she said, hey, Joya, could we start Lady Drinks in New York? And I said, sure. I was so focused on the build of the business that I don't know that I actually heard her and what she was saying that she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but then July 2012 was our first event. And all of a sudden, as I said, some 300 Amazing. South Asian women were showing up to these events. And they wanted to share that they were doing something outside of the parent-approved, Indian parent-approved professions, which were doctor, lawyer, engineer. Or maybe they had become those that they now had a side hustle and they came to share about that. Mm. And so I was just really in a, uh, two things came up for me. One is that I was overwhelmed. And two is that I felt like, okay, I'm in a place of responsibility. Like it's not enough for women to just come together and have drinks. Let's start to build out programming. I'd spent an entire lifetime, it felt like at that point, interviewing CEOs, titans of business, authors, speakers, leaders. Um, Why not take that Uh, you know, take that dynamic and now do it in front of a live audience, because this is a real teaching moment for a demographic that's so hungry for this information. So did I leave television per se? Okay, fine. I'm not doing it in front of a camera, but I'm very much doing the exact same thing that I used to do on the floor of the stock exchange in interviewing the CEO of the opening or closing bell, but now I'm doing it in front of a live audience. And I find that so much more rewarding because a camera doesn't react. But your live audience is giving you information in real time as to if they're bored, if they're walking out of the room, if they're on their phone, if they're talking to the person next to you, you know that you're not engaging them. And so for me, it's actually much more rewarding. Wow. It's so true. And so would you be able to share a success story of maybe one of the women without obviously naming her or, you know, but just to give us an example of how this company, how Lady Drinks is helping empower these women? There's one gal that I particularly, um, I really love her story. She, I remember, it's probably like easily five years ago. She turned up to her first Lady Drinks event and she was just overwhelmed. She's like, I don't even know how to network. Like, I don't even know who I would talk to in this room. And it was a fairly large event. There were about a hundred women there. And I was like, no problem. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you took a leap of faith and you showed up for me. And now let me go ahead and introduce you to some people. You know, and she just was just such, um, so timid, for lack of a better way to put it, but she had a hunger in her belly. She wanted more. And today she has gone and bought a restaurant. She is the owner of the restaurant. She is in a leadership position where she's hiring and firing chefs and, and staff and general managers and has just become a real badass, you know, and and if I had a little bit something to do with that, with her coming to events again and again and starting to really spread her wings and learn how to engage people and now become a leader, then I have done my work. Um, the second piece I'll say about building a network is that she had never owned a restaurant before. Yeah. However, there's several other members who have. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a sous chef who doesn't show up on the day and you need to hire day of in order to get things up and running, she leaned on you know another member who has a restaurant and immediately referred her to a website where you can hire day of help. So there's no trepidation in calling on that person because that relationship's already been cultivated through all the events that we've had. Wow, that's such a great success story. And I'm sure there's so many more. 
You know, I think women listening are going to be a little envious. They're going to say, I know maybe they're not South Asian. They're going to say, I want to be a part of this because women are so hungry for a community of like-minded, smart women to connect with and share ideas and share dreams and then do what you just talked about, help each other grow within their businesses. Um, Is your group open to beyond South Asian women? And I love that it's niche focused, at least initially when you started, based on your story. It's absolutely open to anybody if the topic resonates with you. I I live in New York. That's a very saturated market, and I didn't want to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. So I went to market saying that this is the demographic that I champion. But if a topic resonates for you, you are 100% welcome to come. And I, I guess I really need to start working on the language that's going to make um, what I'm doing more inclusive because there are people that want to take advantage, but they'll immediately discount their ability to come because they're like, well, I'm not South Asian. I couldn't attend this. Right. No, I think that's interesting. I mean, what's so beautiful about your entire journey, actually, Joya, is that it's been a natural evolution. And, you know, you had the dream, you put yourself through school, you put yourself through graduate school, you became the, you know, the TV news person, then the anchor, and then you evolved to more storytelling with a documentary. And now it's evolved to the lady drinks and it's still evolving and growing. So I'm curious, you must have a vision. Where do you see it in five years? I would like to host an event in every major city of the world because I don't believe that the depth and the breadth of this network grows by my just hosting events in New York. Mm -hmm. There are so many women out there doing so many wonderful and amazing things. If I continue to add to this network and let's say, for example, you travel to Paris Mm -hmm. and you're like, hey, you know, I have a day on my own. Is there a thoughtful and engaged woman I can connect with? I absolutely can connect you to somebody who would be more than happy to have drinks with you or dinner with you or show you around or whatever assistance and support you feel like you need because you're on your own in a new city. So sometimes that's all it is, right? You're, you're there for work, but you want a little bit more. So I'm hoping that I can provide that. I think that's amazing. Women want this so much. So you're definitely tapped into something. And I'm not surprised that 300 women kept showing up as you've launched it. I mean, that's amazing. I would actually love to give the women some more tools just based on, you know, I want to actually go back to this, the idea of storytelling and writing. Can you talk about, and I know it's been a passion of yours, can you talk about writing as a tool to finding your voice? Yeah, I, I think that telling your story, look, at the end of the day, if you apply for a job or you're meeting somebody to do business, they're going to Google you. And the more collateral and and information that's out there so they can get a more 360 idea of who you are in the world and the space that you take up is going to be so much more helpful. Um, And so if you're in the financial services industry and you're in a sales position, you know, could you publish some thought leadership to share more about who you are, why you decided to come into this profession and why you're championing these products or these services? Now, all of a sudden, I have so much more trust at the end of the day, trust for who you are and and informs my decision as to whether or not I'm going to give you my money. Um, I think that storytelling can be so powerful if you're in a place of hosting writing workshops, for example, because, again, I'm trusting you with my time. Am I going to reap the rewards that I need to get out of this workshop? Well, if you tell me a little bit about you, then I already know that I'm going to be getting this kind of direction versus that kind of direction. If you're an entrepreneur, like sharing your story, I think is probably the most important thing because people will buy, not because of the what necessarily, but they're more nine times out of 10 buy because of the why. 
Um, public speaking is something that a lot of women will approach me about because they want to be better and they want to be more concise and sharp when they're presenting. I often say that go take an improv class, an improv class at your local, like, you know, um, theater group. It just teaches you to think on your feet, you know, to actively listen and react in real time. It's, it's not a place where you can rehearse. It's not a place where you can read. It's not something that's scripted. You've just got to be able to react in real time. And that's really when it becomes fun. That's when it becomes engaging listening to somebody. Mm, I totally agree. And it makes me wonder, though, um, Joya, what's next for you, though, for you personally, you know, and professionally? So you're going to grow the organization. But um, I think I heard, are you thinking about doing a book as well? Yeah. So when I gave my TED talk back in November, 2013, there was a literary agent sitting in the audience and she came up to me afterwards and said, you have a book in you. Here's my card. And, um, several years later, my TV agent came to me and he's like, you have a book in you. Let's draft a contract. And, uh, time just passed and passed and I just sat on it and sat on it. I think part of it was like, who's going to read any book of mine? You know, I, some that imposter syndrome set in. And then (laughs) I will for sure. Well, thank you. (laughs) And then it became like, well, what am I even going to say? So I finally did enroll in a writing class just Mm -hmm. to get the juices flowing. And then I hired that teacher to become my book editor. And yes, I am writing a book now. It is a memoir of my life of you know, being raised in an Indian immigrant family and realizing my dreams of becoming a TV anchor and um, how that journey informs what I do with Lady Drinks today and what my goal is. And so um, this really nests in a larger goal where I would like to do public speaking all around the world and um, spread the gospel of what I'm doing with Lady Drinks. But the book really is the foundational piece to that. Yeah, that's amazing. I think it'll be So it sounds like you've done a lot of your own healing and uh, tapping into your power just by writing your story and telling your story. And it seems like this will be a natural next evolution for you as well. And I think one that you mentioned, you know, your story's already helped so many women that it'll it'll reach even more. You know, you're thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. there's always that imposter syndrome, but your story is so powerful. And it's so, I think women get power from other women's power. You know, so if they don't have it within themselves by reading someone else's story and seeing what's possible, it gives them permission to take that step and to tap into their own internal strength. Writing this book has been a tremendous exercise in vulnerability. Mm. I mean, I'm out there with my entire, you know, (laughs) throat exposed as I'm as I'm sharing a lot of, for lack of a better way to put it, some dirty laundry about the way that I was raised Mm. and, um, not all of it was pretty and not all of it was tied up in a bow. And so I think that being willing to be vulnerable and leading with authenticity is probably the two biggest takeaways I have from writing this book. Yeah, I I think it's amazing and I can't wait. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. But before we get into that, I just want to know, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you think would be helpful or you know, interesting to the women listening today that would help them? Yeah, I mean, I I think the piece that I'll say is that there are some really dark days. There are some real low points that um, have come along the way. And even today, being an entrepreneur, there's some real low points that I hit. But what tools can you arm yourself with 
to pull yourself out of that because you're the only one that can do that. And so for me, those tools are affirmations. Those tools are going to yoga and making the first 90 minutes of my day about me and taking care of me. And I can't stress that enough. Um, some of a lot of this wonderfulness came in my 40s. I'm going to be 47 this year, mm. but I can't stress that enough. I don't know that I had all those tools in the beginning, but I'm so glad that I have them today. It's so helpful. Thank you so much. Um, Joya, how do you define success? For me, success. Uh, folks often say, well, how do you know that event was a success? When I look around the room and there's always this moment, there's this moment where everybody is engaged in conversation mm -hmm. and I'm not having to facilitate any more introductions. I see smiles on faces, I see people talking animatedly, and that's when I'm like, this is success. Mm -hmm. I've created this and now I just get to stand back and watch. I love it. Okay. And so you talked about it this a little already, but do you have, you talked a little bit about your morning routine, but any other routines that foster your success personally and professionally? First thing in the morning, I'm up at 530. I'm at the gym at six and I'm just pounding it out. So that's the first hour of my day. Mm. Shower, get dressed. And the first thing I do when I come to work is that I write 10 things that I'm grateful for because that, that just forces me, even if I wake up in a bad mood or I'm going through a low point, it forces me to think about the good. Um, then I listen to uh, 30 minutes of wealth building. Um, that could be something that I found on YouTube. That could be something like Jen Sincero's book, You Are a Badass and mm. Making Money. And then I always make sure that I say my affirmations. I, I either write them down 10 times or I say them to myself as I'm like walking down the street. I probably look like a crazy person, but I need that. I need that, especially especially for the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Um, and so I'm just, I have to say, I'm just a little bit more curious about your, like, what drives you every day? I mean, you're just clearly, it sounds like since you were a little girl, you've been driven. Just like, do you just wake up ready to go? Is just just who you are? What drives me? Gosh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I salivate at the prospect of creating experiences. Mm. Um, my business coach is coming in from out of town and he was like, oh, let's, you know, go to dinner. He's got some other clients that he works with here in New York. And I was like, no, 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 we're going to charter a boat and we're going to go out for a sunset sale and I'm going to set this up. And within 24 hours, I had set it up and collected everybody's money. And now we're talking about what food and drinks we're going to bring. For me, what drives me is just cr creating a life that's so much bigger. Like I'm just, I always want more and I want it to be fantastic. And so if I can get up and do that, I'm so motivated by it. I should actually just be a concierge, to be honest. No, you're awesome. And so I'm actually veering off some of the normal um, rapid fire just because, like I said, you have such power within you. So what is your life view? I think each of us have a gift. And um, if you can give yourself enough time and space to realize what that gift is, then you've got to cultivate the heck out of it. Mine happens to be storytelling and public speaking. And so sometimes, you know, when I'm on Instagram, I'm looking at other people who are, you know, a size zero and they've got all these beautiful pictures and I'm like, but that's not my gift. Uh, my gift is something else. And so my life view is that that is the gift with which I need to lead with. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, there's women listening who want to start something and they're either afraid or they don't have uh, the confidence or they just don't know where to start. You know, what is the mindset that you think a woman needs to be successful in, in business? I would take it one step back. If you're really struggling to figure out what that next step is, or what your passion is, I think that journaling mm. is a great 
great tool because if you're just writing things down, all the answers that you need are inside of you. You've just got to give yourself time and space for it to bubble up. So that's a piece. And then I learned a great tool from a women's empowerment class that I'd taken back in 2010, Mm -hmm. where she encouraged us to just sit down and write down all the things that we loved to do when we were a kid. Was it painting? Was it running in the forest? Was it putting together blocks? Was it Legos? You know, what is it that stuff that just gave you joy? And don't judge it. Mm. Don't put parameters around it. Just sit and just, because the answers of what you need to do next, maybe as an adult or that passion that you want to turn into a business lies in that exercise. Mm. What is it that gave you so much joy? You know, and I'm curious too, when you, because you knew from a young age that you wanted to be an anchor, when you became an anchor, did it fulfill that desire within? Did you feel like, you had arrived in some way? Writing for me is like oxygen. Like I couldn't imagine a life without writing. So not only did I carve out a anchor position where I was delivering the news, but I was writing everything I said. Mm. And so for me, writing and then being able to deliver it out loud is, is the joy. Yeah, your book is going to be amazing because this is just within your strength. This is where your, you know, your one of your gifts are is within the writing and the storytelling and then being able to share your story. It's going to be very powerful. So um, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips on how to live a good life? Listen, 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 listen. People are telling you all the time where their pain points are, how they want to be engaged, how they want to show up in the world. If you could just be quiet. And I have to remind myself to do this sometimes when I'm at a networking event. Just listen. Mm. There's so much that you can glean from that. And actively listen. Don't start thinking about the next question you're going to ask. The second thing is that you got to believe in yourself. Nobody is ever going to believe in you more unless you believe in yourself. And I struggle with that. There are days that I don't believe in myself, but I have to say that mantra over and over. Nobody is going to believe in me if I don't believe in myself. Mm. And then thoughts begin, become, you know, beget things. Um, It's something that's talked about at The Secret, but your mindset, if you can do it or if you can't do it, you're both right. Um, And so working on your mindset every single day and harnessing the power of your subconscious, your subconscious is driving so much of what's happening to you. Can you investigate that and, and put some systems and processes around it to really harness it so it works in your favor. You have 60,000 thoughts a day. Your mind is programmed to kind of go towards the negative. But what can you do to change that to get the life you deserve? And have you had to do that for yourself? And if so, what resources did you use to retrain your brain? I had to get very specific about my goal, my specificity around my goal is that I want to host an event in every single city of the world. I want to make a certain dollar amount by my public speaking and sharing um, a lot of the leadership principles that we're talking about today. So getting really specific about that goal was step one. Step two was building a mantra or an affirmation around that and making sure I say that uh, in the morning and I say it at night. But it's not enough to just say, I want X amount of dollars. I'm also saying within that mantra what I'm going to offer in exchange. What am I going to show up with in, for that? Um, the third thing is to um, is to really, really, really persist. There are days that I don't want to say my affirmations. There are days that I don't feel like doing it, but I have to. Um, the consistency is the magic. It's, even there are days when nothing is changing, things are changing, and I have to believe in that. I have loved this conversation so much, Joya. Um, can I ask, does your name have a meaning? 
Joya is the goddess of wealth. I come from, uh, I was raised Hindu. We're a polytheistic religion, which means that we have many gods for many different aspects Mm -hmm. of our lives. And like the Greek and Roman gods, there were also multiple names for each of the gods. So my name, Joya, is um, one of the goddesses of wealth. I love it. You really are a goddess. So, um, Joya, where can <laughs> <Thank> people? You, <laughs> you really are. Uh, where can people learn more about you and your work and Lady Drinks? Uh, I'm on social media, so it's very easy to find me at Joya Doss on Twitter, at Joya Doss on Facebook, at Joya Doss on Instagram, and at Joya Doss on LinkedIn. Um, LadyDrinks.com is the website if you'd like to learn more about that, and uh, please write me. I'm I'm always um always on all social media. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so so much for your time today. Thank you. And I know you're coming to my set, September San Diego event, so I'm I'm really excited for that support. Thank you. I can't wait and I actually sent it to a friend. So I'm looking forward to it. Can you tell the women listening an example like what that event is as an example of what you produce? One of my trademark events is that I hire a docent and we do a private tour of the Marquis Museum in your town. So in this case, it's the San Diego Museum of Art. And uh, Bia is the name of the docent. And she's going to be leading a tour of women-only artists because pre-modern uh, art, which talking, we're talking about the 19th century, women were not allowed to become artists. Yet there are some who persisted and became bankable artists anyway. So it's really telling those stories. Yeah, I can't wait. It sounds so interesting. So thank you again. And I'll be linking everything in the show notes today. So thanks so much, Joya. Michelle, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you found today's conversation inspiring. And I'd love to hear what your key takeaway was. You can join me over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash zero four one for today's show. You'll find all of the show notes there, but you can also leave a comment and let me know what resonated for you, what inspired you, what did you take away from today. And while you're there, be sure to join the Good Life Coach community. All you do is you sign up and then once a week, you'll get a brief email from me on Wednesdays where I share a resource, some information, some inspiration, something to elevate your life in some way as well as my key takeaway from the week's podcast and an easy way to just access the show with the link right in the email. So I'd love to have you be a part of the community. When you sign up, you get a list of 52 self-care tips for the busy woman because we all can use a cheat sheet of ideas. There's one for every week of the year. So definitely get your freebie while you're on the website. As always, thank you for tuning in and I look forward to reconnecting next Wednesday. Bye for now.